You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church. We're located in the Ballston neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. Visit us on the web at cumcballston dot o-r-g. There you can learn more about our congregation, where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sharon, for reading our scripture lesson this morning. It's good to be back in worship with you today. I was on vacation this past week. Now, my spouse and I usually take a trip around November 12th because that's our anniversary. This year, we'd been planning to go to the Bahamas to take advantage of one last free flight from Southwest Air before our companion pass expires. But about three weeks ago, I heard one of our dogs running in the backyard, and she came back limping. She had blown her dog version of the ACL in her knee. So sadly, our travel funds had to be diverted to pay for the surgery to repair our dog's knee. So that meant last weekend, instead of sitting on a beach somewhere nice and warm, we were home, and so we decided to go to worship at Cherrydale United Methodist Church. That's my home church in the place where Greg and I were married. We walked in the door and saw familiar faces, and then one of the long-term members said, boy, you picked a bad week to worship here. The boiler is out. So there we were, shivering in Cherrydale, just as you all were shivering in Central. So the Methodists of Arlington are not having a lot of luck with their heating system this month. They had a pile of blankets for anyone who needed them. We've tried to put some heaters around the sanctuary, so if you do get cold, you can always sit in the front row closer to one of the heaters. And thankfully this week, the trustees tried a new heater before worship to kind of get the temperature up a little bit. So thank you to all of you who have worked hard on trying to solve this problem. We are so thankful that all of you have come to worship. It's so easy on a Sunday morning to think, oh, I've got so much other stuff I need to do, or oh, it's um, running 10 minutes late, or oh, there's so many reasons why we could choose not to go to worship. But you have chosen to do that today. And that means you have, got, you have come into God's house. You've come to the place where we gather to sing and to pray and to praise and even to lament. And so as we gather this morning, I am grateful for your presence as we have come to worship God. So I'm going to invite you to use your imagination so that we can all travel together to a warmer place in our minds, so let's pretend that we are on the warm and wonderful shores of Oahu, Hawaii. This is a tropical place. It is warm and beautiful and sometimes gets rains, but not quite monsoons. So here we are on the shores. It's beautiful. The sun is shining. There are flowers everywhere. 
We are on one island in a chain of islands that comprise the 50th state to join our union. Prior to statehood, it was an American territory. And before that, it was a sovereign nation united under a monarchy. The very last monarch to reign was Queen Liliokulani. Today in our worship series, A Season of Saints, we celebrate Queen Liliokulani. She's one of the dancing saints who's commemorated on the ceiling of St. Gregory's Church in San Francisco. This queen is considered a friend of God because of her commitment to peace in the face of aggression and because of her sacrifice to protect the lives of her people in the face of hostility from the American military and business interests. She was a musician, a composer, and a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. She wrote a prayer that has, it is a song and a prayer at the same time, and it's called the Queen's Prayer. Now, I practiced this week to try to pray this prayer for you all, but my Hawaiian is not that good. And so instead, I want to play you a short video from a church, New Hope Oahu. It is a church that actually went to the palace where the queen was imprisoned and where she wrote this prayer. They'll give you about 90 seconds of the history. It's just a quick snapshot, not the full story. But then they will let you hear and see people praise God. So as we watch this video, I want you to notice how Psalm 150 is being embodied as people praise God. We're here at the Iolani Palace, which was completed in 1882. This place will play a central role in the history of Hawaii, marking the end of the monarchy and the beginning of a new republic. When the queen took the throne in 1891, Hawaii was locked in a political struggle between people of Hawaiian blood, those numbers which had dwindled down to 35,000, and an influential group of non-Hawaiian reformists convinced that the island's royalty had outlived their usefulness. The Queen's effort to restore the monarchy to Hawaii fell on deaf ears. And after failed efforts in 1893, she was forced to abdicate her throne to the inevitability of change. Two years later, an ill-fated rebellion took a momentous turn when a cache of arms was found hidden in her garden. Until this day, no one knows for sure who was responsible for their placement. Although she denied any knowledge of this, nevertheless, this discovery implicated her. And on January 16, 1895, she was confined to an apartment in this Iolani Palace for treason. Shortly thereafter, she signed a document denouncing any claims to the throne and recognizing the legitimacy of the new republic. She remained confined until September of the following year. But during this time, the queen wrote many songs, among which is the well-known Aloha Oi. But the one we want to take special notice of is called the Queen's Prayer, entitled O Ko Aloha was written on March 22, 1895. In it, the queen tells of her great love for God, a love great enough to ask forgiveness for those who imprisoned her. 
mercy is as high as the heavens. And your truth is so perfect. Instead of malevolence or anger, please forgive and cleanse. Protect us beneath your wings. And let peace be our portion. Now. Queen's theology of forgiveness comes through in this composition. The third line of her prayer says, O oh, look not to their fallings, nor to the sins of men. Forgive with loving kindness that we might be made pure. The Queen strived to forgive so that her heart would be pure, letting go of her anger and resentment, especially toward those who took her kingdom and placed her under house arrest. She left a legacy of praise to God through the hymns that she wrote while she was in prison. She was denied all reading material except for her Anglican prayer book. She was allowed to have paper, and so she had to draw the lines on herself, but she composed many, many songs. And her songs praised God, even in the midst of her sorrows. Queen Liliuokalani lived through many sorrows in her life, not just the imprisonment. This is a song that was written by the queen who had known many, many sorrows. When she was born, her great aunt gave her a special name, 
Kama'akea, which means sore eyes. She was given this name because when she was born, the great aunt was suffering from sore eyes. Seems kind of a strange choice. Because you see, traditionally, when one is named in the Hawaiian culture, your name gives you some type of essence that as you grow through life, you take on that essence. So why did her great aunt name her that, Sore Eyes? I don't know if she could have known, but the queen certainly saw many things that brought sadness into her life. She saw many things that would have made her eyes sore. It was not only the loss of her kingdom, but the loss of her husband, her inability to have children of her own, and from what I've read, a very daunting mother-in-law. She must have looked at so many things in this world with sore eyes. But those eyes were soothed by the balm of her faith and the cleansing gift of song. If you look at a portrait or a photo, you might even notice a person whose eyes that might look a little sad. But they are also the eyes of a person who embraced deep faith. Someone who had an abiding sense of purpose and even in the midst of her sorrow was able to praise God. She wrote praises to God in the midst of a life that indeed did bring her sore, sad eyes. How often do we think we need to praise God when life is going well? when the sanctuary is a warm, comfortable temperature, when everyone in our house is healthy, when life is good, when life is easy, that's when we praise God easily. But Psalm 150 that Sharon read for us today is a psalm that commands praise in the midst of our ordinary, everyday lives. I've heard some people tell me that they're uncomfortable sharing when they're angry or hurt, and they don't want to take those feelings to God in prayer. They're worried somehow that they're not allowed to be angry or express their laments. But that's the beauty of the Psalms. They show us that we can indeed express our laments. We can have complaints and take them to God in prayer. We have room in our prayer lives for naming pain and injustice in this world. And that prayer that includes lament leads us to praise. This is the movement of the Christian life. We see this when we look at the story of our faith that comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. On Good Friday, we hear Christ himself lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This moves through the silence of the Sabbath on Holy Saturday and then into the joyful alleluias of Easter morning. A few weeks ago, I emailed the congregation to share the latest on our building update. And unfortunately, I had to share the news that we did not get the funding we were expecting. And I shared with you that I felt for the first time in my life, not just the head knowledge of how those disciples may have felt on Holy Saturday, when their vision of God's kingdom died with Jesus on the cross, but I felt for the first time in my heart of what they may have felt like on Holy Saturday, when their vision of what God's kingdom was going to look like was not going to come to be. 
when it was time to sit in prayer and to wait for God to act. We're in a Holy Saturday time of waiting for Easter Sunday morning with our building project. We can lament. We can talk about the challenges. Because when we make room for lament in our lives, it can lead us into praise. Because praise is more real. Praise is more robust when you acknowledge that you have passed through the laments of life. Easter hallelujahs are sung more profoundly by those who have known Good Friday. The Queen's Prayer matters not because she wrote beautiful words or wrote a beautiful melody. It matters because she was suffering and she was praying for those who caused her suffering. She prayed for forgiveness because she had something that needed to be forgiven. So in your life, maybe you're in the midst of a Good Friday, experiencing a trauma or loss in your life. Or maybe you're in the midst of a holy Saturday, that quiet time, waiting on the Sabbath as you seek to be with God, waiting for something good, waiting for something new, waiting for new life. Or maybe right now you are ready to stand up and sing Easter Alleluia's. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, know that because you have breath, you are invited to praise God. It doesn't matter where we are in our journeys. Our laments can lead us into praise. We can praise God not just for what God does, but simply for who God is. We praise God in the day-to-day -day of our lives that includes stress over unemployment, unpaid bills, social injustice and inequity, Psalm 150 does not tell us why we are to praise. We, we aren't told, wait until life is good. Psalm 150 just commands us to praise. It tells us how. And the beauty of this psalm is that it says, everyone that has breath, praise the Lord. And it says how we are to do so. It is loud. It is with trumpet and cymbals and dance. We are told that praising the Lord is not a silent endeavor. This is not surprising because God speaks creation into being. God sees the connection between speaking and praising and creation. The ancient Israelites recognized that all musical instruments could be used to praise God. And as biblical scholars note often, the Psalms list all of the instruments that were known to the ancients. So it doesn't matter whether the instrument is a piano or an organ or a guitar or some other instrument, all of them can be used to praise God. This Psalm uses the word hallelujah more than a dozen times in its short six verses. To praise God, hallelujah. It's the plural imperative of the verb hallel, which means to praise, and yah, which is shorthand for a personal name for God, Yahweh. So to put it into a southern idiom, hallelujah means y'all praise Yahweh. It's not just a summons for an individual reader or hearer, 
but it is a summons for a whole community. Indeed, for everything that has breath. Praise Yahweh. When we understand that we can praise God with all of who we are, it will change our prayer life. The Reverend Eugene Peterson wrote this, quote, This is not a word of praise that's slapped on to whatever mess we are in at the moment. This crafted conclusion of the Psalms tells us that our prayers are going to end in praise, but that it is also going to take a while. Don't rush it. It may take years, decades even, before certain prayers arrive at the Alleluia's. Not every prayer is capped off with praise. In fact, most prayers, if the Psalter is a true guide, are not. But prayer, a praying life, finally becomes praise. Prayer is always reaching towards praise and will finally arrive there. If we persist in prayer, laugh and cry, doubt and believe, struggle and dance and then struggle again, we will surely end up at Psalm 150, on our feet applauding, encore, encore. So this morning, in your prayers, I invite you to bring whatever laments you may carry, and I invite you to move into a time of praise with all of who you are. We're going to take some time to pray for ourselves and for our world. You're invited to come forward if you would like to light a candle, if you'd like to write on one of our prayer cards so that someone can take a card home and pray for you this week, if you'd like to kneel in prayer at the chancel rail, or if you want to take out your phone and text someone in your contacts and let them know that you are praying for them right now today. Whatever we bring to this prayer, may we know that it leads us to a vibrant life of prayer when we bring all of who we are so that we too may praise God. So let us pray.